we, we're in a, a situation within our lives that, that we're, we're spending more time mourning than we are celebrating. When I think about it, and especially in my role, in my job, in the work that I do, I know how important education is for our students. I know that education opens up doors that our students might never have had before. I know the inspiration and the mentorship of teachers are so powerful on the lives of our students. That it just takes one teacher to change that student's life. Our students, not all of them, and probably a high percentage of them, don't live in a Christian home. But they might have a Christian teacher. A teacher that loves them. So I kind of look at it as we're in this COVID-19 dilemma. Do we want our students back into school? Or do we want to keep our family safe from COVID-19? This sermon really has originated from that thought itself. And I'll be honest, my mind has changed. Um, and it keeps going back, just like in, for those baseball players, a pickle. It's almost like we're in a COVID-19 pickle. And this week, or last week, I had a meeting with one of my districts. And so far within that district, and they only had 7,000 students out, maybe the 25,000 students in that, in that district. It's a pretty big district. Um, come back to school. But 10 teachers, principals, coaches have passed away and died from COVID-19. I have a principal that every month they have lost a faculty member from COVID-19. And that is just so heavy on me. And looking at what can we do to help? What can we do differently to help our children but keep everyone safe? And only one person knows that answer, and that's God. And I keep hearing this, well, let's look at what the science says when we're not looking at what God says. And it's almost like everything is just forgot about God. What is the right thing to do? I mean, even if we look at the face masks, yeah, they give us a a sense of security. They give us a sense of protection. And yeah, they probably prevent a lot of the, the virus from escaping. 
But at the same time, if you know how small a virus is, it's easy to get in between those holes of a face mask. That's just the honest truth. It's almost like we don't even want to say that because we want, we want comfort. That's why it's so important that we stay socially distanced between each other. Knowing that there is always that chance. I mean, if face masks were working, then our cases would be going down, not up. So we need a lot more than just the science. We need God. Now, I'm going to try to log back into my computer. Of course, technology um, never works when you need it, right? If you're a teacher, you understand that. <laughs> um, yeah, as soon as I walk up here, all of a sudden, uh, my computer wants to, to give me an update. And, of course, uh, thanks to my beautiful dog, Neptune, he kind of, like, pulled the, the printer off the uh, the desk, and I have no means of uh, printing. Um, but let's go ahead and go to to Scripture. Let's, let's start there. Um, we're going to read out Psalms 127, verses 1 through 5. And, and I think this, this scripture will help us solve that pickle that we're in. I'll give you a second to, uh, to turn to the scripture. All right, let's go ahead and read the scripture. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who built it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are the heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to, to humble myself, to come before you, to, to preach this message that you put on my heart, Lord. Let it be your words that come through me, Lord. Guide me in the right direction. Help this sermon really hold the context and the message and the teaching that you desire everyone here to hear today. Lord, I am so thankful for having such a loving family that I could call my brothers and my sisters, Lord. I love them so much. I have so much empathy. And I just want to be a light in their lives. 
So, Lord, guide me as I give this message. Lord, let's help our children build a positive relationship with God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to open up with a story to kind of give it context of, of where I'm coming from within this the scripture. Um, the title of today's message is the preparation of a fruitful relationship with God. If I were to give you some advice today, let it be your number one focus to build your relationship with God. Start there. Our relationship with God is so important. But at the same time, our children, our, our lost ones, and those that we care about might not even know who God is. So how can we create a godly environment for our children? And then how can we give our children or be faithful mentors for our children in their lives? Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I have a story. Hopefully, I won't cry at the end of it. Every time I read it, I seem to tear up a little bit. But it's really why I feel that, that this message is so powerful that I really want you to really... Think about this as I read this. And think about those two things. A godly environment and those faithful mentors in our lives. Okay, this is the story of Teddy. There is a story many years ago of an elementary teacher. Her name was Miss Thompson. And as she stood in front of her fifth grade class... On the very first day of school, she told the children a lie. Like most teachers, she looked at her students and said that she loved them all the same. But that was impossible because there in the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Teddy Stodard. Miss Thompson had watched Teddy the year before and noticed that he didn't play well with other children. That his clothes were messy and that he constantly needed a bath. And Teddy could be unpleasant. It got to the point where Miss Thompson would actually take delight in marking his paper with a broad red pen making bold X's and putting that big F on the top of his paper. At the school where Ms. Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's past record, and she put Teddy off until last. However, when she reviewed his file, she was in for a surprise. Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. 
He does his work neatly and has good manners. He is a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student, well-liked by his classmates, but he is troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home must be a struggle. His third grade teacher wrote, his mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, best, but his father doesn't show much interest and his home life will soon affect him some step, if some steps are not taken. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends and sometimes he sleeps in class. By now, Miss Thompson realized the problem and she was ashamed of herself. She felt even worse when the students brought her Christmas presents wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper, except for Teddy's. His present was clumsily wrapped in a heavy brown paper and he got from from a grocery bag. Miss Thomas took pains in opening it in the middle of the of the other presents. Some of the children started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle that was one quarter full of perfume. But she stifled the children's laughter and she exclaimed how pretty the bracelet was. She put it on and dabbed on some of the perfume on her wrist. Teddy stayed after school that day and just long enough to say, Miss Thompson, today you smell just like my mom used to. After the children left, she cried for at least an hour. On that very day, she quit teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. Instead, she began to teach children. It's a true story. And even because of that influence of that mentor, Teddy stayed in contact with her. And eventually, he went on to become a doctor. It takes one person in our lives. To put us on the right path. Right now, I asked one of our state directors, what do you think will be the biggest education issue? And he told me it will be poverty. That a lot of our students that that go to school, school, they see what's on the outside of their environment. They have positive mentors. They have coaches in their lives. Whereas when they're just at home, that's all they see. It's almost like they lose hope. And it goes back to that pickle. What do we do? 
On one end, if we would have brought all the teachers back in Robinson County, we probably would have lost several of them to COVID-19. But at the other side, by not bringing them back, our students are struggling in their environments. We need God's help more now than we ever did before. That all of us are possible mentors in the lives of these children. That our conversation, the events that, that we influence are so important. So when I'm looking at this, this scripture and how do we prepare this relationship with God, especially with those that we love, those that are lost, our children, parents today, I hope you, you hear what the Lord has to say. So when we look at the two main points of this message, the first one is really going to be that godly environment. I want to take a step back and think about the environment that we have created for these children. And then the second point, I want to look at the faithful mentors that these children have. So when, when I look at the influence of the environment, I want to step back. It's sometimes we see it in a very, very small fragment or fraction of a student's life or as a child's life. If we think about the number of hours between the time a child is born and they're 18, we're looking at 157,680 hours that they are in that environment that we create for them. So I want to look at two different environments and kind of look at, are we truly creating that godly environment? Or is it in vain like the scripture said? Are we letting the Lord guide us in the environment that we create for our children. Now, when, when I look at the environment and I'm looking at the scripture, I, I see two things. The first thing is the home. What is that environment within the home? And then the second thing, I, the scripture says the city. But I see it as the community. And that environment is where these children go. Are they, are they going to church? That's an environment. Are they going to school? That's an environment. Are they going to the park? That's an environment. All these environments have an influence on our children. But that environment goes beyond. Because a lot of our children go straight into a virtual environment when they get home. That environment might be Twitter. And if you get on Twitter, you can see how toxic that environment could be. Amen. Facebook is not much better. 
And even in some of the games that they're playing. We're looking at 157,680 hours. What environment are our children spending the most time in? Now, if we look at the home and thinking about that environment, there's a lot of factors within that environment that, that influence the student or the children. Um, one is the interaction of the parents. Are they fighting every single day in the house? Or are they praying every single day in the house? When you walk in, what's on the walls of the house? What, what do you spend the majority of your time doing in the house? All those things influence our children. If you walk in the house and you see a piano and you see the drums, you see guitars, you see music, you see the microphone, what do you think the influence is going to be on those children? It's going to be music. If you walk in the, the home and you see mounted, you know, deer heads uh, with, you know, eight points or whatever, I, I'm, I'm not a hunter, so I don't know much about that. Um, and you see the rifles and you see the guns, what influence does that have? If you walk into the home and you see the trophies for baseball and you have this beautiful, that's the first thing you see, you see plaques and you see ribbons, what's the influence? We create the environment for our children. I remember as a teacher that my classroom environment was, was the most important thing. I knew that the environment in my classroom had more of an influence on the students than anything else. So I made it my point that on my walls, and I probably broke fire code, I had like every single poster of every single standard that I teach, not the words of the standard, but colorful, just different things. I had posters of colleges around my room. I had the flags of the colleges. I had different, I had a fish tank and I, I even my, my desks were in a U shape where everyone could see everyone. And even on the first day, I told my students, I have one rule. And that rule is that I will treat you with respect. And I will do everything I can to earn your respect. And that rule only applies to me. And my goal is not to break that rule. And if I do, please correct me. We set the example. We create the environment. Students follow what we do within the classroom. Our children follow what we do in the classroom. So if we look at Corinthians 15.33, there's something we have to be very careful of. 
go ahead and the next thing that I would say within our environment is, is our company and who are we around? Who do we hang out with? Who are our friends? Even our friends will have an influence on our children. Even our co-workers have an influence on our children. There is another thing that we have control with within our environment. It's choosing who are our friends. And sometimes our friends are not our brothers and sisters. That when we were created anew and born again as children of God, we were now separated from the world. And some of our friends are still attached to the world. And they still are attached to worldly things. And those worldly things will have an influence on our children if that remains the company that we keep. So we look at this verse. It says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So if we create good behaviors, sometimes it only takes just one person within our child's life to have an influence to correct that godly environment. So when we think about how do we create a positive environment for our children, we have to be very conscious of everything that we put in front of our children. And I would say we have to be even more steadfast when they are young. Because it seems like in a in, in the growth of a child, a child at, at a certain age wants to, to do everything that we do. And it seems like for a long period of time, we respond with no. And no. And no. I say... Respond with yes and make it godly in which things we do. Because that's like planting that seed. That is guiding that child towards towards God. I would say there's probably three things that we could do to really enhance our environments. The first is prayer. And when I say prayer, I don't mean the prayer that you're doing by yourself. I mean the prayer that you're doing with your children. The prayer that you do at the dinner table. The prayer you do before they go to bed. The prayer you do when they wake up before they go somewhere. Prayer is godly. If we create those habits, those habits will last. 
The second thing I think is very important is love. Children watch everything we do. And believe me, they notice when we're mad. They notice when we're angry. They know when we're upset. And sometimes we're in that state of mind more than we are in that state of mind of love. But they also notice when we show love to others. They notice when we make those sacrifices. They notice when, when we're slow to react and respond lovingly to our children. Love is something we see often from teachers. One of the things I always hear from teachers is they love their students. Even though it was a lie within the story that we've told, but I believe most teachers are in the profession because they love children. And if they don't love children, then they shouldn't be in the profession. So love is important. The last one, I think it's just as important, is the fellowship. Now, I've, this fellowship concept, this mindset, I, I have struggled with. I remember when I first got saved, at the time I was, I was going to Faith of Calvary, and we were having our first fellowship dinner over at the fellowship hall. And I'm thinking, well, fellowship is, I'm going to have an opportunity to talk about Jesus. But when I went to that fellowship dinner, what I've noticed was no one was talking about Jesus. And I was so confused at the time. I mean, they were talking, I remember one conversation about a brand new truck someone got. And then another conversation about a hunting expedition or something. And and I'm I'm sitting there at my table. I'm like, I was so excited that I was going to have opportunity with brothers and sisters to talk about the Lord. Fellowship is important. Are you talking about the Lord with your children, with your grandchildren? Are you having those conversations? Now, don't tell the pastor that the real reason why I go play golf with them is not to play golf, but to have a conversation about the Lord. Even though that first couple holes, he's talking about my swing, I'm like, I have no clue. (laughs) I probably have played golf 18 holes, maybe one time. And I maybe played eight holes less than I could count on two hands. But I know that if I get out onto the, the golf course with the pastor, that I can have a fellowship conversation. And that's something that the two times I played golf with them, I, I've never forgot. One was about the wrath of God. And at the time, I didn't really have that full understanding of the wrath of God. I was thinking of Sodom and Gomorrah and destruction, the flood, all these things. But then when we had that conversation, he brought up Romans. And I learned that the wrath of God is when God takes his hand off of us. 
And that was so profounding, that perspective of the wrath of God. I could not imagine my life without Jesus right now. There is nothing any, there is nothing worse than not having Jesus in my life. So when, when I saw that that true wrath and how that God could take his hand off of a nation and a nation be without God, it's a nation doomed to fall. The other conversation, the second time I played with them, had a lot to do with who's your one. And because of that conversation, he actually invited me to go to the conference. And I took a day off and... We talked about how can we be more intentional in the way that we witness to others. How do we create those moments of fellowship within our lives? When do we have those conversations about Jesus? Now, my second point, and before I move into that, I want to turn to Hebrews Uh, Chapter 11, verse 16. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. We want an environment that is godly. As Christians, we desire that. And it seems like we're battling the world every day, the sin of the world, the influence of the world. And and honestly, we're doing everything we can to protect our children. But we, we also have those factors in our lives, like sending our children off to college. Now... In my house, I have control of their environment. However, when they go off to, to college, I don't. They're now in a new environment. Just like when I joined the military and went off to the military, I was in a new environment. So even though, like in the time that the scripture was written... Usually, if you were a shepherd, your children would become shepherds. If you were a farmer, your children would become farmers. If you were a politician, your children would become politicians. So we became the product of our environment. But now in our society, that could change. There are choices. Like I said, joining the military creates a new environment. Going to college creates a new environment. But if we look at the mentorship, and I think the mentorship is is so powerful. And we even saw that within the story as she changed her mind to really then to focus on teaching children and not teaching math or teaching reading or teaching arithmetic. Um, The one line that really came out that really holds true, and if you think about this, you probably see it within your own lives, that a lot of times 
our children will end up being just like us when they grow up. They will have the same values. They'll have the same beliefs. And I think the Lord says, like arrows in the hands of warriors, so are the children's of one's youth. So when we think about, and I almost thought about bringing in a bow and an arrow to kind of give you a, a visual aid, but kind of imagine me holding a bow, okay? Now, my influence is pulling back on that string with the arrow. But my influence also is where do I point that arrow? I could point it at that piano and I would have an influence of music. I could point it back at that technology. I have an influence of technology. Um, I, I could point it at a book. I have an influence of academics. There's a lot of different places that I could aim that arrow. But my advice to you is to aim that arrow at Jesus. Amen. Aim that arrow at God. A lot of times, I'll be honest, using this analogy, that that arrow might be stuck in the mud for a child. That there is no influences on that child's life. That that child is in isolation, is what we would call a loner at school. Or even as we looked at the story that we read today, how Teddy was. And it takes someone to pull that arrow out of the mud and fire it towards Jesus. And our hope is that Jesus will grab that arrow and fire it towards heaven. We have the choice. Every single person here, your involvement with all the children, the lost, the loved ones. You're always firing an arrow. Either in your habits, your conversations, your likes, your desires. They're all having an influence on that child. If we look at Proverbs 22, 6... Might help if I go to 22.6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So when we think about training a child, everything we do is helping that child Move towards that mark. If we look at Proverbs 27, 17. We're looking at. As iron sharpens iron. So man sharpens the continents of his friend. That influence that we have with those that we are around. It is so important. Even if we move to Timothy. Proverbs 
Second Timothy um, verse uh, two two. The scripture states, and the things that you have heard from me among the witnesses commit to these faithful men who are able to teach others also. So as, as mentors of those that are around us, and we're, we're all mentors. We're even we're mentors to our grandchildren. We're mentors to our children. We're mentors to the students that we're teaching. We are mentors to those that we work with. We are mentors to our friends. Just like that iron sharpens iron. And leading a child in that path we would like them to go. It takes all of us. It takes all of us to mentor the children in our lives. Now, often we, we would have a lot of mentorship and fellowship and all of those things here, but because of the COVID-19 pickle, some of us are, are looking at church the same way. That we want to come and we want to worship the Lord and we want to hear the word of the Lord, but at the same time, we want to stay safe and stay healthy. So there's a lot of things that are going on in our lives today. This could be a blessing for some of us. That our children that were not getting good mentors or having positive influences at school are now at home with us. And we have became the main influence on our children again. Or our grandchildren. In some situations, that is way better than what they were getting while they were going to school. But in the other situations, not all homes are Christian homes. And the influence that those children are going through is not a positive one. Could be abusive. I know we don't want to say it, but we know it's going on. And that's why we need to pray. We need to try to create those environments for our children that are godly. And we need faithful mentors within our children's lives. Take those two things and see what you could do with it. Because like the scripture said, Children are a reward. And the influence of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus is in the future of our children's lives. With that being said, I'm going to let our pastor close this. Thank you for the opportunity to, to preach to you today. I hope that this the sermon will touch your hearts. I hope the sermon came from the word of God. That we could take it and run with it and do what we can to be positive, faithful mentors in the lives of those around us. 
create those godly environments that have a deep impact on our children's lives. So that when it comes time, they're looking towards heaven and not looking towards worldly things.